This is the April Fool's Childrenhood, and you're listening to the Music A to Z podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I am Doug Ferguson. Doug, we took the summer off. Even though we had just started back up again, we took the summer off because we were very busy boys. Uh, yeah, you know, I moved, and then uh, I mean, my, my YouTube channel basically took the summer off as well, with a few, mm-hmm. a few, a few exceptions with videos. But yeah, it was a, it was just a slow season product productivity wise. Um, apart from you know me working and making lots of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I gotta I, tell you, man. I gotta tell you. Now that things are kind of back open for COVID, the tips. Nice. The tips. Yeah, and uh, during the summer months, I try to jam-pack my weekends with uh, with going around and hiking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a brag, but I don't care. I feel like I've earned it. I gained 15 pounds, but my waist size hasn't gone up. So it's, it's you think it's just leg muscle? I think it's just all-around muscle, but okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, if you're hiking, mm-hmm. it's probably a lot of leg muscle. And it's, it's, it's pretty aggressive hiking, too. Um, and, you know, you and me both, I think, you know, we're cut from a similar cloth in that for some reason, this, our legs are really thick. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like people, like, I, I weigh more than I look. Mm-hmm. People are like, where is it? I'm like, it's in my legs. Mm-hmm. It's in my freaking legs. Not, not a word <laughs> of a lie, man. Like, logistic, like, honestly, I uh, stood on the scale and was so depressed because I had gained weight. And then I was like, and, and over the course of a few months, and then I was like, well, hold on. I'm still wearing the same pants. Mm-hmm. My, my waist size has not changed. So I was yeah. like, okay, okay. And yeah, I gained 15 pounds, but my waist size hasn't changed. And so I, so I was like, okay. And then I spoke to Ian about it because, you know, at the very least, you know, I can brag a bit to Ian as well. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he says, he says, no, no, man. No, no, man. With all your, your, uh, your activity and stuff lately, you're, you're probably just gaining muscle. It's a step in the right direction. You know, it's all about the, it's all about health. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and they, you know, here's the, the truth is, uh, I've heard this from many, many sources. Even if you don't lose weight, mm. the activity is still good for you. Oh yeah, it'll still, it'll it'll pay off with your heart and stuff. In the yeah, long so it's still like it's still it's the physical activity is is like you know there's there's so much emphasis on like you know lose that belly fat and blah blah blah. But it's all it's all like just just the, be active and that will contribute to your the longevity of your life. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so before we go into music news, just a quick a quick little aside. I have become increasingly more and more aware of, not intended as a brag, but as an insight, since doing radio DJing, the influence that radio DJs have over people's perception of music. Because I listen to some to a lot of my contemporaries as well. Uh, Rich Turfry does uh, CBC's Drive, so he's the DJ for your commute home, basically. Rich Turfry, right. a.k.a. Buck65. Oh, uh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I didn't know for the longest time. And uh, it's it's interesting, it can be interesting because they, they set the tone and they, they give trivia and uh, Doug can attest that I can be really, really bad sometimes about fully explaining, elucidating on playlists and stuff. Like, one of the more recent episodes, you know, I said that these are all prog rock songs from like within the last decade. And then l- later, and I'm sure you told me this before, you're like, they're all from this year. <laughs> uh, that was my pitch. I'm like, hey, I'm doing something a little different. I'm, I'm making this brand new prog from this year only. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess it was just too long since I told you that. In, in part, yeah. It just, like, didn't, it just didn't quite quite make it through the filter. But anyways, anyways so here's where the point I'm going to is. Uh, there is a recording artist named Bakar, B-A-K-A-R. Bakar? <laughs> he sounds like Murray Lightburn, but his he's... Doesn't sound as good as Murray Lightburn. Well, few do. Yeah, um, few but do it, it's care. it's not even like he's he, he's almost off key a little bit, and um, that's okay. That that works and stuff. However, at one point, I don't remember if it was Rich Turfry or Saroja Quelo. Well, by the way, if you have if you want to be a DJ uh, for a CBC, you literally have to have like a very unusual name. Hmm, uh, okay. It's it's their thing. And anyways, <laughs> one of them said that. Critics refer to Bakar as the savior of of modern rock, and blah blah blah. And I and I stopped and I was just like, that is an extremely bold statement. I want to, especially from a fledgling artist, I want to see who said that. I want to say see what gave them that impression. Like like I want to see this article that this music reviewer mm-hmm. and the case they're making for that. 
maybe legitimately it is. Maybe this guy's been working production from behind behind the scenes for a long time. You know, oh. whatever. Like, I want to see it. So I went to look it up. Couldn't find any mention of it. No mention of it. Hmm. I was like, okay, so are you just making conversation? And then that made me think back to, um, okay, I went to Valley Village and scooped a bunch of CDs, as Doug knows. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Tricky's first album. And when uh, Evolution, Revolution, Love? Revolution, Evolution, Love? Evolution, Revolution, Evolution, Love. Revolution, Love. When it first came out, one of the DJs said that critics refer to him as the most evil DJ on earth or something akin to that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I st- that came to my mind and I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of curious who did refer to him like that. You know, like like why? Just because he's got a growly voice? You know, he's he's kind of a skinny bloke, so it's, it's not like he's the Hulk or whatever, but because he's got kind of a, a scary dark voice sometimes. So I went to look that up. Couldn't find reference to that either. <laughs> and okay. so, so legitimately, I do wonder, DJs, do you guys make stuff up sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what it reminds me of is that you said the time, the first time that you heard Amelie on the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, this, this track is going to be fire. This, this is track's gonna be, so hot. This is going to be hot, hot track. You won't believe this. <laughs> um, and then you listen to it and you're like, wow, like, you guys were clearly paid off because this well, song that's just is garbage. Yeah. It, the only song to make it on our our episode of, like, the, the like top... Two, like, was it? The, the five, five, five worst five songs? Five most hated songs? Yeah. And uh, yours and Nathan's yeah. picks. Yeah, yeah. Was, we both picked it. And and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, actually, maybe I should put that in my list, too. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and here's the thing, too, is that, like, DJs, I should say, you're allowed to have your own opinion. So if you think yeah. legitimately that Tricky is the most evil DJ on Earth, why don't you just say it? Just like, hey, you know, I'm listening to the song, and I wonder... Is Tricky the most evil DJ on Earth? Then it's fine. Then you don't need to say critics say or reviewers say. Look, if you think Bakar is like the Bacar? savior, that's <laughs> right. If you think he's the savior of modern rock, say it yourself, but be prepared to like throw, like explain why you think that. Because, I mean, that's a freaking bold statement. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You, you say, I'm thinking this guy is going to be the savior of modern rock. And then you play the track. To back it up. If you think that he's so good, you know, prove it to me. I want I want to agree with you. I would love to see Rock make a good comeback. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Let's say, yeah. oh, you know what? Right I think down. five, ten years, people will still be talking about this guy. That's okay. If you think that, and also, that's like, okay. You know what? It's not the end of the world if your prediction is wrong. Yeah. You know, like, there, it's because ultimately what it comes down to is there's a lot more in the success of, the, of a music, an album or a single than just how good it is there's a whole there's a whole other aspect to it of like marketing and like and some perfectly amazing acts go underappreciated for either a long time or forever and it's not about how good they are so and who says that like if you told tricky hey i hear you're the most evil dj on the planet what if he's hurt he's like hi man I'm just really trying my best here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe Bacar doesn't want to be known as the savior of modern rock. Whoever's just like, oh, dude, that's I don't want that mantle. Um, <laughs> actually, I've been listening to a lot of psychedelic rock lately. Doug introduced me to Old Man Canyon, and then I heard Sunbeam Sound Machine on on a playlist at one point, and I I love it. You know what I mean? I love psychedelic rock. It can be it can be really cool. Like yeah. it's, I think there's just sort of this aspect of like just letting things kind of wander or playing around with conventional sounds mm. that, you know, it's like it's like this is just gonna be just a little weird sounding, a little off key, but we're gonna make it work. And and I, I don't know. I really I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's quickly dive into music news. Oh yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of preamble there. <laughs> yeah, what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> the 2021 Polaris Music Prize just happened. Oh, my. Um, and I feel old because I don't recognize any of these acts. Okay, nice. <laughs> the winner was Cadence Weapon and their song, their album Parallel World. Oh, uh, we got a lot of, a lot of catching oh up. Well, you know, the, the thing is, I say I've got a lot of catching up to do. But, like, realistically, it's, it's not like I've stopped listening to new music. Yeah, well, that's just it, right? I'm still listening to new music all the time. It's just, I'm also listening to old music and, you know, and it just, I just, there's like a, I only got so many hours in the day. There's a lot out there, legitimately. A player's Music Prize for the Uninitiated is uh, is kind of like the Mercury Prize. It's it's Canadian uh, independent music, um, goes before a jury, et cetera, et cetera. And 
Good lord, there is so much Canadian music out there. Okay, I can go back to 2020, and Caribou's album Suddenly is on there, and I know Caribou. Oh, yeah. K. Trinata's album Bubble is on there, I know about K. Trinata. But, yeah. I mean, some of these okay. other... Okay, this year, uh, Dija SB, Dominique Filsami, Chloe Pagog, Leanne Betta, oh, Samasaki oh. Simpson, Mustafa, oh, the OBGMs, oh. the Weather Station, Toby and Zoom. I don't know these bands. I feel old, man. Old and crickety like my chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, you, yeah. do you remember the days when we would like, we knew most of the acts in the Polaris Music Press? Yeah, we used Yeah, we used to. Yeah, we were on top of these mm. things. And again, I don't know what. It's like, changed. hey, Owen Pallet's on there. Fantastic. Oh, hey, some love for the stills. You know, it's just like. I, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, again, I, I, I don't know what changed. It just. Because because we're we're still listening to new music. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like yeah. it's like we're, but it's not like it's not like we stopped listening to music. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't, yeah, I I don't get it. But um, yeah. But anyways, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, once well, again, um, Polaris Music Prize. We should great. we should check you out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No joke. No joke. Anyways, let's get on with our uh, our episode proper. Yeah, we are talking about a band. Yes, they are a band from North Carolina. This next band, um. I have a very long relationship with, but also a very short one. I think the same probably goes for you too, Doug. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about the Rosebuds. I don't know exactly exactly how they came to my attention. I had the song Get Up Get Out off of Night of the Furies on my iTunes forever. I think our brother Nate was into them, I think, but I don't know for sure. Really? Because for some reason, now, and this may be just because like, I just assume that this is where music came from, mm. is that I thought maybe Travis sent it to us. I don't think so. No, okay. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing is that I just... I don't have any memory specifically or mm. evidence to support this. I think I just assumed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I know Nate at one point said that the, the, the gal from Rosebuds was hot, was, as was mm, okay. Nate's normal commentary about these things. <laughs> yeah. And I had the song Get Up, Get Out for a while. And I never deleted it because although it had some cheesy synth, I kind of liked um, I kind of liked some of the things that that's, uh, went on in the song. And, you know, uh, it was just the, just the one. And then a few years ago, it wasn't even... I want to say like five years ago or so. Occasionally I go through these these spurts where I have random songs on my iTunes and I'm like, why don't I check out the rest of the album and get the album? And so Rosebuzz was there and I was just like, you know what? Night of the Furies. Okay, embarrassing admission. For the longest time I thought the album was Night of the Furries. <laughs> Actually, I was gonna say is that uh, is that is, it could also be referred to as, but okay. But I, it's I, Night I, of the Furies. I'm glad we got that out there. And yeah, now, now we now we know. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna check it out. And I went on a leap of faith because I, I scoped it on Amazon, and the album was like two bucks, and I was like, well, you know, I had, oh yeah, I've had this this song for so long just sitting there, and I haven't contributed anything to to rosebuds i'll just buy the album now that being said 
with hindsight, I didn't pay rosebuds. I'd probably paid some independent seller. Yeah, if you if you paid uh, to like an independent seller, chances are it just went to the independent seller, right? Yeah. If you, unless you got it like from the Amazon warehouse or whatever, then. But you know, same time, somebody bought that CD at some point. There you go. And uh, and the the band wants you to hear their music. Yeah. So yeah. So mm-hmm. I I bought Night of the Furies, and from the first song, my punishment for fighting, I was like, holy cow, this dude has a fantastic voice. I start getting into the album, but notice that the album, I love the album, first of all, but sometimes they just play with the cheesy synth sounds a little too much. And then I noticed that there was this pattern of like, a song I would love, and a song I think it could be better, then a song I would love, then a song I think could be better. And the most of the album was like that. And then absolutely killer closing. And then that's kind of the way it was for years. And then I want to say like a year or two ago, not long ago. I was like, you know, I haven't heard anything else by them. So I went to YouTube and typed in Rosebuds. And the first result was the music video for their song Boxcar, which was off of the album previous. And I love Boxcar and scooped that album up for like a buck fifty off Amazon. Oh, okay. Well, that's the thing is that it's so damn cheap. Well, you know, that's the interesting thing about the CD market these days. Mm -hmm. Is that some of them are going for pennies? Yeah, because uh, people are just like give these CDs off our hands, and then some of them are astronomical mm. because some places just aren't printing many CDs anymore, and so they and so, oh, some of them are really old and won't be reprinted anytime soon. Yeah, and 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 some sellers are just like, aha, I'm gonna charge a hundred bucks for this one, and I'm like, hundred bucks. That's ridiculous. But no, but really it is ridiculous. And so shoot, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. Well, shoot, what's that from? So's the job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I had these two albums by by Rosebuds, and then I started looking more into them. Their last album, I, I listened to some tracks. I watched uh, one of their performances on KEXP, and I was just like, I love this guy's voice, and I love the dynamic of their sound. And so I looked them up and I saw that they had, for the short amount of time that they were around, all things considered, weren't around that long. About a decade? They put that, their output though was was really good. Yeah, it was um, consistent. So I, I basically, as we've done in the past, I use this podcast as a as an excuse to actually actually get it going, actually get it done, and, and listen to their, listen to their whole rigmarole the catalog as it were the discography yeah they formed in 2001 they lived in wilmington north carolina but then moved to raleigh north carolina the two principal members are ivan howard uh vocals and guitars and kelly crisp keyboards although not restricted to these roles also Uh, occasional vocals yes uh didn't start that way but then uh gained a lot more yeah uh they got married right at that time and uh, in their genesis, joined were joined by Billy Alfin, uh, who uh, was kind of filling out the sound a little bit more. And then after a couple of years, uh, October seventh, two thousand three, their first album, The Rosebuds Make Out. They were joined by Jonathan Bass, bass maybe on drums, Jim Brantley on the dobro, which I had to look it up. It's a wood-bodied single cone resonator guitar. Oh, you recognize it. Look at it. And Tyler Kendall on the cornet. So the, just just to kind of like flesh out their sound on some of the songs. But yes, tell me, uh, the Rosebuds make out. Doug, how do you feel about the Rosebuds making out? Uh, it was a, not exactly what I expected, given the two albums that I heard from you. Mm-hmm. It it's a very uh, summer vibes mm. kind of album. I could see this playing on a boombox at the beach with people playing volleyball and other California stereotypes. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, just like just just fitting right in that scene. Uh, fun music with uh, almost a bit of a fluffy Beach Boys vibe, I would say. Mm. But like not the, not Pet Sounds Beach Boys, the the, the 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 fluffier stuff. Maybe a bit of good vibrations, which is, you know, nothing wrong with good vibrations. I love good vibrations. I, have a song. I found that the music didn't seem to go deeper than that, though. Like emotionally, it doesn't quite, I don't know, it just doesn't quite get deeper. No, um, nor musically, really, to be honest. I don't know. Um, the songs are pretty simple. I'd say they go a bit deeper in Big Heartbreak and uh, Signature Drinks. And that's sort of like where there's a, there's a, I don't know, just something that's, that you feel like there's more going on and there's something more complex emotionally. Um, but uh, beyond that, I, I think it's a nice, it's a really nice album. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't really, it, I feel like the material, the material isn't elevated. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I am 100% going to agree. Uh, my first thought was this Beach Rock Sound. It was kind of sad, though. So my thought it was kind of reminded me a bit of uh, the zombies. Um, kind, okay. kind, kind of. So, I mean, along the same sort of lines, but, uh, but a little sadder. I, I did think uh, it was consistently good, but never great. Very similar to, to, uh, to your thoughts here. Except Makeout Song, which is still pretty sad, but I find it very compelling. Pretty compelling, but so sad. Would you say not the best song to make out to? Uh, yeah, actually, to be honest, I think it's not, I think it's an ironic title. Okay, I think yeah, I yeah. think it is. Okay. Um, and in much the same way that I feel like the, the lyrics on the whole are ironically paired with the music. But the thing is, I don't feel like it's particularly fleshed out enough to make a, a you know like a grand artistic statement or anything like that. Okay, just uh, just that that was just kind of their things. Like they could, they couldn't help but uh, but you know throw in a bit of melancholy. Just a bit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you listen to the Rosebuds Unwind EP? Oh, yeah, I did, actually. I, I, yeah. I, I keep forgetting which order, if, if the Unwind or Birds Make Good Neighbors came out first. But the Unwind, I think, was before it. Yeah, just, but just. Interestingly enough, I had a, or have a sneaky suspicion that this was recorded first, before Make Out, and then released later. But I don't know because there's a two-year gap, um, or a year and a half, I guess, because mm. it was released April 22nd, 2005. But I almost feel like it was recorded first because yeah, it's it's a little more basic. The songwriting is a little more basic. It was the two of them and, or sorry, the three of them, including Billy Alfin, and uh, Wes Phillips was on the drums. I really liked El Camino and I Feel Better. I thought they were really good. But again, my overall impression of this album was that it, it, it was more more of the same, kind of this beach rock uh, but a little, a little more basic, as if you know the songwriting wasn't quite as strong. Which I mean, it's an EP, so okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was my thoughts. What do you think? Uh, starts off with a very fun. You better get ready, and then it's followed up with the not nearly as fun El Camino. See, which kind of takes a weird, kind of takes a wind out of the sails of the, I guess of the <laughs> of the of that sort of high. Is there room? Doesn't really go anywhere. The title track is onto something. Really nice hook in the course and uh, a very charming emotional core to it. So that's well done. And uh, Edmund Street is kind of fun, but too long. And I'd Feel Better is a head bopper. And it leaves the album on a very fun note. So overall, uh, it, it's, it's very so-so, I would say. Uh, but the title track I find to be definitely one of the highlights mm-hmm. of the album. I will note that... Um... I don't think there's ever a bad closing track uh, for Rosebuds. I I feel that all their releases have fantastic closing tracks. But, I mean, more so with the, with the actual LPs. Okay, so now we're going to September 13th, 2005 with Birds Make Good Neighbors. This is the second album that I purchased. And um, the second album they released. Indeed. Um, <laughs> Billy Alfin leaves the band at this point. Uh, so maybe he was the beach rock guy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Wes Phillips moves over to bass and Lee Waters takes over on drums. Uh, both Howard and Crisp take on more instrumentation themselves. So trying to round out that noise, that noise. Yeah. Trying to round out that sound, uh, just a little more. How do you feel about birds make good neighbors? Definitely, um, a different pace. Uh, it starts off with a bit of a darker edge, um, but only a bit. The first two tracks are fairly solid rock songs, actually. Uh, the songs are very chill kind of dreamy laced with a lot of reverb um in fact actually that starts to define their sound mm. as things go on so the the reverb is it's gonna stick i'd say it's all pretty decent but not tons of like great songs though i i feel like there's, there's a lot of good ones but not, not a lot of great ones and some exemptions though are uh boxcar mm-hmm. which has a really cool live energy mm-hmm. uh bluebird which is very gentle and sweet and has a great like a very emotional core to it four track love song is an interesting closer because it does seem to leave the album on a fairly dark note despite the relative relatively easygoing nature of most of the songs on here to disagree with your previous statement about uh album closers i do Mm. feel like this one actually peters off a little bit that's interesting Um, because i actually really like it i really like four track love song okay well uh yeah i I just i i just wasn't feeling feeling the same way but but i I said generally Mm -hmm. i agree but but not with this particular album i thought i felt it actually started stronger and had some good stuff in the middle as well but Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, definitely. A huge jump in production and songwriting. Again, Boxcar is one of my favorite songs by them, hands down. It seems to be about um, two kids or maybe two childlike people who are escaping a home life and deciding to set up their own little home in, in abandoned woods in a, in a boxcar and sort of playhouse there um, as an escape. Sort of a bridge to Terabithia type vibe I get from that. Um, Leaves Do Fall it incorporates aggressive country, which we will hear more of and i have mixed feelings about because sometimes i actually kind of like i start off being like uh this sounds like country song and then like yeah okay this is not so bad (laughs) so they they start to experiment with that here and they do it a little more later there are tasteful amounts of country you can put into things yeah um and so sometimes it works um sometimes we can can let it pass (laughs) yeah we start hearing kelly crisp taking on vocals and stuff which is a i love the pairing between the two of them It's, it's interesting because usually the when you have acts like this Usually, I find the male tends to have the more, uh, the raw edge, and the woman tends to have the more melodic, uh, sweet voice, but I actually find it to be the other way around. I mean, they're both fantastic, but I find that, uh, Howard's vocals, he knows when and how to harmonize and to carry a melody, and, like, his voice is just so good. Outnumbered has some alt-rock flavors to it, which is great. Um, and like I said before, I actually really do like four track love song. Um, but I did make a notation that as compelling as it is, it is a fairly simple track based on the compositions of the rest of the album. Night of the (laughs) Furies, not the furries, the furies. I kind of, yeah, I kind of feel like the way I said it kind of sounded like both words at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Furies. To to enunciate more properly. Furies. April 10th, 2007. Based on what I could see off all music, although correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to have been done entirely by both Howard and Crisp. Uh, like I said, I have a deep affection for this album, and uh, I like it more than I originally did, because, like I said, when I originally listened to it, I kind of felt that the tracks alternated between uh, really good and could be better. But now I've found a lot to latch onto in the, in the whole album. Even songs where, like, I Better Run, where Crisp has the vocals... Uh, Howard's harmonizing in the background and stuff really like lends a lot of weight to to the the uh, yeah, album. I don't think there's truthfully a weak track on here at all. Opens fantastically, has kind of a dark track. Uh, hold on to this coat, which uh, leans pretty heavy in the effects, uh, but is great for breaking up the album. I will say though that the second to last track, when the lights went dim, feels like a closing track. And then you're kind of surprised when the actual closing track, Night of the Furies, comes in, which is a phenomenal track. Um, even at six, actually, I'm surprised at six and a half minutes because it's. I, I find it to be fantastic. I love Night of the Furies. I'd say this is a bit more upbeat than the last album. Um, not as reliant on reverb, which is not a criticism, just so much of an observation. I don't know if it's. I don't. Yeah, it's just a difference. Yeah, neither is better or worse. I, I like that they're the albums are very different, and the the, the yeah bringing in the lady singer on uh, cemetery cemetery long. Mm. I thought, and and a better run uh, is is that I thought I don't know if you thought it was a nice bold choice. A very, it just feels like it's stronger to have them to have them both performing at times. Mm-hmm. I, I I like I like the different strengths that the singers have. There's uh, a fair bit of variation in the songwriting. Quite a bit more, I feel this time around, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think there are really any bad songs. Um, in fact, I enjoy the vibe of many of these songs. There aren't tons of outstanding tracks, and I just kind of I'm I'm feeling this sort of as a as a, a the rosebuds in general is there's it's it's a lot of it's pretty good, um, but there's not like tons of like great tracks. Although um, there are of course always exceptions. Uh, Line does it. It overly relies on. <laughs> okay, so this one's more of a criticism. Yeah, this one overly relies on Jingle Bells. There's a, <laughs> a, a little too many Jingle Bells in that one. Uh, for a second, I did think Santa was coming. And, and, and I just wasn't ready. Um, and, but I think the song has a pretty nice finale, though. Um, oh, no, the, the album. <laughs> Sorry, there was me trying to get through my chicken scroll here. Of course. Um, the album has a nice finale. When the lights go went dim is an ex, uh, is a grim and... It's a little grim and, and uh, aggressive, almost. Mm. Um, but uh, but the best track by far, I do also feel, is the title track at the uh, at the at very very end of the album. Uh, it's a really good song. Yeah, just that that's 
Just like just a kind of an, an ingenious. And you never will believe it. Yeah, yeah. So just just I, that that little melodic bit is just kind of I just, it feels very genius to me. It really sinks in well. I, I like it. So uh, overall, you know, it's another pretty good, pretty good album. It's a pretty good, pretty good. All right, we get to October seventh, two thousand eight, for Lifelike. Ooh. How do you how do you feel about old Lifelike? It starts with the title track. Mm-hmm. So I guess you know they're like they're like well, last time we ended with the title track. <laughs> Can't keep doing that. <laughs> so this time we're starting with it. I almost I almost like the song, but I have an issue in that I just don't like how it's produced. There's something wrong with the production that it just doesn't sound good to me. It, it's it's the it's the vocals. They sound mildly distorted, and the two singers just like I know they can sound good together, but they just don't hear, and mm. I, and so it drives me crazy. But and and. Cape Fear is okay, but Border Guards is where the album starts to really uh, find, um, really starts to hit it for me. Mm. So yeah, so the middle of the album plays out pretty fine. The next really solid track for me is uh, Concordia Military Club. Um, yeah, that, that one that one I really like. And Hello Darling is a very unique entry um, <laughs> in their... Um, with mostly, uh, how do I put it, jangly guitar and yeah. whistling. I yeah. kind of feel that the instrumentation is almost Disney-inspired, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It just kind of has that, that cadence to it that I would expect on a, on a Disney soundtrack. Yeah, so I kind of I like it, but it's really short, mm. so I feel like there's not really enough meat on the bone to, like, to like dig in, you know? it's So it's... It's almost like, oh, it's, it's an interesting idea. And that's kind of all they had. It was an interesting idea. But I do like the transition to Black Hole, which is another really strong track. And the closer in the backyard is another really good track uh, with lots of cool effects. Uh, and those like the guitars are just like lots of cool effects in there. Um, and the chorus, uh, and the chorus just sounds great. Um, so yeah, overall, pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I agree. The title track... So good. Compelling. Showcases the, the vocal talents. A Nice Fox is a turn to folk rock. It was something that we hadn't heard too much from them before. We've heard beach rock. We've heard alt rock. We've heard a bit of uh, new country and stuff. But now folk rock. We're, we're, we're doing a bit of the folk rock. Um, I am neutral on that song. Howard is really working those pedals. I mean, he's, he's just really giving it a go. I'm really glad the cheesy synth settings are gone. I feel like as a band, I don't know. Songs like Get Up, Get Out, which I like. I really like the song, but like... I almost feel like it would have benefited from like having actual trumpets. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, so, so, so the, yeah, it's, it's, it's dated, kinda, right? Well, you know, but it's dated in a way that just doesn't sound like dated for its time. No, right? it's, not, it's not, it doesn't sound dated 2007. No, that's just it. It doesn't. I, I, but the thing is, I don't even know exactly when it's dated to like, I, I, I kind of feel like mid nineties. Maybe I kind of yeah. feel like, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, that that's that's gone in here. Uh, in the backyard, another one of those alt rock tracks, and yeah, solid solid closing track. Uh, now here's the thing: I like the album, and I like it quite a bit, but it doesn't really have a lot of staying power with me. Um, I don't, I just don't find myself revisiting this one that much. Um, so I mean, it's weird because I I did like the album, but it just. It just wasn't as punchy to me, which is strange because again, and uh, the Hello Darling sort of Disney. So they they're experimenting, they're doing new things, but for whatever for whatever reason, I don't have an explanation. Um, I just didn't find it had any much staying power with me. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Let's jump then to June fourteenth, twenty eleven, for Loud Planes Fly Low. Mm-hmm. Howard and Crisp have now divorced. Howard has also joined a band called Gaines. Uh, they are a sort of um. Uh, soul soft rock band and uh, all music speculated that he took some lessons from them and brought them over here I don't know I would have to listen to, to some of Gaines to, yeah. to say one way or the other but uh, could have I mean could have there are lots of miscellaneous people in small roles on this album like lots lots of little people kind of getting their fingers in the producers are BJ Burton who also produced Bon Iver Charlie XCX Taylor Swift Twin Shadow and Lizzo so very poppy producer very and big Chris, Chris Stanley, who had a huge career as an artist and producer. I want to hear what you think first. I want to hear what you think first of Loud Plains Fly Low. Okay, I'd say it's a fairly standard start, though on the better side of the spectrum. Uh, um, but this album really finds itself at 
Second Bird of Paradise. Again, kind of another another time with track three is kind of where it launches. Uh, very is very contemplative and is really made by a sorrowful string section. So it's followed by Come Visit Me, which is kind of dark but also has a very solid groove to it. Woods has a cool energy to it. Great bridge with a thumping drum solo. Waiting for You has promise but just kind of ends um, before it even reaches its proper potential. A story has a nice atmosphere. It's held back by uh, repetitive and underwhelming guitar riff. Yes, okay, I, yeah, I remember that. It's it's it, there's it's just it's a little just too much of the same thing for a story. It's just it, I I I wish it kind of went in a very different direction. Um, it's a shame because other aspects of the song work. It's just that that the guitar section just doesn't. It's just flat. Like the percussion and the violin cameo are actually really cool in it. So uh, there's there's aspects of the song that are good. Uh, worthwhile isn't much on the surface, but it actually feels like a nice closer. Um, overall, it's it was almost my favorite, but there were a few stumbly moments, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to very strongly concur, but I might like the album a little more than you. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of the staying power, this one really got me. The first track, Go Ahead, I was like, mm, okay. But Limit actually, to be honest, I thought it really started at Lim Limitless Arms. Uh, okay. That song I have listened to so much. Maybe I'll have Between to the vocals spin. and the lyrics is heartbreaking it's a heart-wrenching song and then you're absolutely right with second bird of paradise great song uh yeah i do absolutely agree that uh it does it does kind of start to waver a little bit but then you know the closing track worthwhile is worthwhile it is it's <laughs> it's fantastic it, it's good it's a great great closing track this one i revisit i come back to this one a lot okay. and um but i don't come back to it because i want to like dance or yeah or, or you know I, i'm like yeah i'm rocking out or whatever I have a very visceral, emotional reaction to some of these songs. And I mean, how do you quantify that, right? How do you say, how do you review music and just say, and just say, hey, you know what? I had the feels. Um, <laughs> it's something that we can all relate to, but by the same token, it's it's not, it's not like a, like you can't really dissect that. You can't say, oh, you know, the, the pounding rhythm section or, you know, the way he was harmonizing. Sometimes certain songs just work for you. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of pinpoint reasons why, but you can never give the full story. Um, and I felt on the whole, this album, um, yeah, it, if it's not my favorite Rosebuds album, uh, which it might not be, I think I'm still Night of the Furies might still be mine. Uh, it is easily, easily a close second. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing too, because like looking at it objectively, you would almost think that uh, I should like Life Like more because they were doing more things with it and, and experimenting a little more but i don't you know honest honest to god this one just worked for me more all in all i'd say the rosebuds so far are, are you know improving yep yeah did you hear any of love deluxe love deluxe what was that one love deluxe was a um it was a digital release a free digital release november 16th oh. 2012 how do you pronounce her name uh she's an r&b artist sade S-A-D-E. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is a, um, a reinterpretation of that album. And actually, to be honest, I was here for it. Um, oh. I, I, gave I, it, I, I gave it a listen. And I see, I was just going by Spotify. And it's, it's not on, on Spotify. It's on there. Oh. It is on their Bandcamp page. Oh, okay. Well, um, but, sorry, uh, everybody. I yeah, it was, it. It, was, it was on the 20th anniversary of, of it. And Rosebuds had said that it was uh, the album was an influence for them. And they wanted to kind of, well, kind of like what Flame Lips does occasionally with, uh, you know, their tribute albums. Mm. So they set up a tribute album and, and honest to God, um, they did such a good job. Like they did such a good job. Um, um, and so what is it a tribute to? Sade's oh. fourth album. Sade is a Sade's. Uh, uh, I'd have to look. Uh, is there, there any like accents or anything in there? Like any? No, I don't think so. Any whoosh, uh, over the E or anything? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, uh, then. Paul's accent close to it. Okay, well, don't worry about it. It's S A D E, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sade. I think it's Sade. Yeah. So her 1992 album was Love Deluxe, and then 20 years later, they did uh, they did their Love Deluxe tribute. And but anyways, I really liked it. I uh, ultimately, I really liked it, and I I felt that they you know they really got it. You know what I mean? It's just like when you're covering somebody else's material, um, that can be kind of difficult, right? Because it's just uh -huh. like, well, are you at the same place that the original composers were at? You know, when they were writing a song, 
what was going through their head? What were they feeling emotionally? Or should you even be, if you yeah. think about it? Like, or is getting get hit is is getting the music from a different perspective the way you want to go? Yeah. Um, another one that make, that makes me think of the Shushu's uh, Nina. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he they he, they cover the the Nina Simone songs. It's like it's like the, the like the it would be difficult to even compare the originals to the the Shushu versions, but. Um, but you know, they both work in their own sense mm-hmm. in their own right. And they, and the Flaming Lips too, like, I mean, sometimes it works better than other times. Yeah. But, um, you know, collaborating and I can't, I, yeah, I think I liked their King, their Court of the Crimson King cover one. I still uh, haven't heard of it. And the Dark Side of the Moon was, one was okay. Yeah. But you know, they, I don't feel like they ever really, nor do I feel like they're even necessarily trying to really get to the same place that the original material was at. Truthfully, I think the, the first stumbling stone is they had too many hands in the pot. I feel like if it was just Flaming Lips doing uh, Dark Side of the Moon, then that would be one thing. But the problem was it wasn't. It was a lot of people throwing in. And uh, I, uh, with uh, Peaches and Starlight White Dwarf, I think they're called. And yeah, Henry, yeah. Henry Rollins. And I mean, they, they just had so many people in. And then it just didn't feel like anybody's album. Really? <laughs> yeah. So recommend it. Check it out. They also did a Christmas album. Yes. Now that I did Christmas from Tree here. Island. Uh, Twitch, I felt a bit of the opposite. <laughs> uh, um, there was the third track. Um, of course you're not. Is it on this? It's on, it's on here. Um, oh, there it is. Christmas Tree. Yeah. yeah Christmas Tree. Uh, the third track, Hold Me Tight, I thought was okay. Um, uh, I, I found it, I found it amusing that this is their longest album by quite a bit. Yeah. It's like, it's like you guys, you guys went all out on this Christmas album. <laughs> like, like more than your regular albums. Like why? Like and I, I, I mean, I usually feel that really, to be completely honest, mm. bands ever need to, to release a Christmas EP at most. Yes, but <laughs> but uh, or a but, Chris, Christmas single. Well, Chris, well, Christmas single, I feel ideally, but if they really want to go hard on Christmas, yeah, a, a Christmas EP should do the trick. Yeah, uh, no, I, I mean, uh, because like, how often do you visit? It? And it always sounds weird if you've got your, your say your. Uh, something, whatever the hell people listen to music on these days, their phones, I guess. I don't know. If you got on shuffle and then a Christmas song comes up, unless it's the holiday season, everyone's like, oh, Christmas already, eh? Skip. (laughs) Well, that's just it, right? Um, Um, I don't know. I like, I like, uh, who's it said? The Whale, the way they do the occasional Christmas single. Yeah. Killers did for a long time. I don't know if they still do it. Uh, I think they, I think they capped it. I think they, they, they released a lot every year and then they just kind of compiled them all together, put them on an album. They, you know, they, I, and then I think they were just done. They're like, they're like, like, what do you want? You want us to, to release 25 freaking Christmas singles <laughs> for everybody? Like, <laughs> I think they did. I, and I felt like they were starting to lose quality because mm-hmm. it's just, they're like, they, it was almost like tradition more than like, do we have a good Christmas song to make? Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. fair. Which is fair. Um, but they, I mean, some of the ones they put out were, were great. Uh, and, and I, I'm. Don't shoot me Santa Claus. <laughs> or, or at least hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I do like "Don't Shoot Me, Santa." That was a good one. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was all right. Yeah, um, yeah. That's the thing, though. It's just like, I could be. No, it can't be just me. It's not Christmas time right now. It's the first of October. As such, my enthusiasm for you know listening to or and all through September mm-hmm. listening to a Christmas album start to finish. It, it, I didn't. I just I wasn't enthusiastic. Maybe yeah. if it's if it's on in the background at a Christmas party. Go for it. There's a window, but, you know, like there's a window in which you can tolerate Christmas. Christmas. Oh, but hold on, but hold on. No, no I'm gonna, I'm gonna revise that. Okay, if you okay. are, if you're at a party, a Christmas party or a holiday party or something like that, and you've got Christmas music in the background, do you want just want to hear like 20 tracks by one artist? No, no. You no, put on no, the no. damn shuffle. You pray to God that Mariah Chris, uh, carries all I want for Christmas is you. It comes on after you've left, and uh, <laughs> I mean, y- you have, you have the shuffle. Um, to be fair, though, Steve. That song has made everyone who worked on it extremely rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is, that is that is very fair. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so the, the enthusiasm for, for the Christmas album, especially you're 100% correct, won that lawn, was very low for me. I, yeah. I, I just I just couldn't really get, get very excited. Again, a couple, I think, I'm pretty sure it was either track three or four, because uh, I'm listening to it while I'm like, doing the dishes and stuff, right? Uh, that's when I do my initial my, my initial listenings. I do with chores because I kind of I want to kind of start with like a vibe, like how what's the vibe I'm getting, mm. um, and uh, and the first easily definitely the first two tracks I was just like, yep, yeah, it's a Christmas album. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, as far as Christmas albums go, like musically speaking, 
it's not that bad. No, I mean, no, no. Because, no. There's nothing um, wrong with it. Yeah, no, no. But the the thing is, is, is just like, like sometimes, like some artists just re- they just release terrible Christmas music. Sure. They just and it's like just so full of jingle bells, and it's like oh, cut it out with the freaking jingle bells. Just because you have jingle bells doesn't mean well, like. You, now you can't have Jingle Bells without it being a Christmas song because it's so overused. And then, you know, it's like these really generic sounding Christmas tunes and like bad auto tune because they really just want to rush it out for the holiday season. Yeah. And so like at least it's it's not that. And so thank, uh, thank you, Rosebuds, for that. But I, I, I will, although I will say Enya did a Christmas album, yeah? Enya? Yeah. Or um, was it just a winter themed album? I feel like it was... Uh, I don't remember. Well, anyway, I'm just thinking that she would be the one who you would expect to do it, and I seem to recall, yeah, yeah, because she did, uh, she did this on um, uh, Okamo Come Emmanuel and stuff, which was a really good rendition of it. No, you think it's Hermit Gotham? No, I'm not. I'm thinking that no, no, no. She did the kind of experimental one. I'm thinking, uh, okay, so what was the one that Anya oh, did? Oh yeah, okay. Um, no, I mean it's been so long since yeah. we did the Anya episode. Well, anyways, but, okay. Even though Anya would be the one who, like, oh, you're right, Silent Night was Hermit uh, you would be like, yeah, of course Enya is going to do a Christmas album. And even then, you can only get so much enthusiasm <laughs> from the person that you expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry. But the thing is, when it comes to Christmas time, I love to put me together a good, solid Christmas playlist. Hmm. Like, I... Because I, I, there, there are enough artists out there who do make some good Christmas tracks. It's just, it is hard when it's like a lot of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like the exception to the rule is always Suvian Stevens. Like it's, it's put so much work into it. You yeah. almost feel bad if you're like, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> it's it's July. Um, but you're like, wow, Sufjan Stevens. So anyway, my review, it doesn't land on too thick, thankfully. It almost, uh, it almost sounded as if it would just at the very beginning of the album. You're like, oh no. Oh no! Just like, but not even, not even just like the first track, which is the beginning of the first track. I'm like, yeah. oh boy, we're in, we're in for it. And then it d- doesn't happen that way, which is good. It's a pretty consistent release, sounding a lot like their main material, not drowning us with jingle bells. So yeah, it, you know, it's, but it's, it is hard to get too excited about a lot of material, though there are some good ones. I think there's Christmas in New York stands out because it's uh very there's a there's a very soulful jazzy sax solo. I'm coming home is a bit more dramatic but very solid. Lonely Light has a nice lounge feel with some good, uh, like some some lovely strings. Those those three middle tracks, uh, they're all kind of bunched together, interestingly enough. Mm. But that is as good as it gets. So, <laughs> so like, if I were to put together a compilation for Christmas, I'd pull those tracks out, put it in the mix, and it'd, it'd be it'd be in the shuffle, and and all, everyone would be happy. Christmas Dan is a bit much. Yeah, um, I mean most of it was fine. I like. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I don't remember exactly how it went off the time. All I wrote is that it's a bit much. It's, 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 it's too much. Um, most of the album was fine. I liked that the instrumental... I liked the instrumental ditty at the end, Journey to Christmas Island. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a nice end point. But yeah, the, the, the good stuff is five, six, seven. Those three tracks, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Moving right along. August 5th, 2014. Sand and Silence. I watched the KEXP that was released for, uh, that came out around the time that this album was released. They were very, very comfortable at that point with their instruments and their vocalizing and just like watching them in the studio, um, is, was, was really nice. Um, you know, there's always something, I always think back to Adrian Ballou. Um, and I know that he's, he's, you know, as far as examples go, he's pretty, all things that are very atypical and an outlier. But, like, the level of comfort he had with the guitar, like it was an extension of himself. Mm-hmm. I always love seeing that. Where it's just, it's 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 almost part of who they are. It's almost part of their well, identity. He, he says, as he feels, guitar is his true voice more mm-hmm. than his real voice. And then, at this point in Rosebud's career, seeing them with KAXP um, in, in the studio and stuff, um, it, it, not that they were at the level of Adrian Ballou, but they were getting... They were getting to that point though. There was there was comfort in in creating sound, and uh, I love I love seeing that uh, because it is it is a beautiful thing to see vocalists you know closing their eyes and feeling the lyrics that they're singing. You know they're not they're not reading it they're not singing it they're feeling it as they sing. 
and uh, and the instruments the instruments are just kind of like happening. You know, they're they're just doing it. They played "Give Me a Reason" in the sets, and it sounded so good, so good life, so good life that you you would swear that it, this was like top of the pops, and they were faking it. I have a lot of affection for this album, especially given that it's their last one. That we already know their marriage had dissolved. And um, they were, you know, I don't want to say they were at the top of their game. They weren't. They they were at a at a at a point where they had had such a large discography and consistent work, and were doing it. And then just to know that this album and, uh, was going to be their last one, um, I have an attachment to this album, um, because it's almost like a goodbye. A lot of it is is like a goodbye, and um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Sand and Silence, the title track, very good. I find it to be consistently a really good album. Cool. I also feel like it's their most consistent record. Uh, fairly good stuff. First two tracks are very solid, um, though. Essay Quam Videri? I don't know how to say it. Essay Quam Videri? Videri? Maybe the top choice for me. Um, and I really like the way the vocals are mixed together. Um, looking for brings back those summer vibes. It was kind of nice to. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, it's the summer vibes. <laughs> um, maybe it's the ding 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 piano that brings those summer vibes back. Very retro. Not not exactly like a grand finale, but one of their most solid entries and no real misfires on the track list. I felt mm. so. I I do feel like almost like a not a grand farewell, but a warm farewell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I actually really, I do have a soft spot for this album as well. I, th- I thought it was definitely a, a great uh, great an- ending point. And it was kind of nice to feel like, again, again to bring to bring up the summer vibes. It was mm-hmm. it was sort of an interesting way to, uh, that, that kind of like solidified the farewell to me. It's like it was taking a bit of the, the sound from the very early days, but showing how they have refined in the meantime. Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'd say that it's a, it's a good... It's a good farewell. Did you um, listen to those extra singles that came out just a little bit before this? There is. Um... Uh, oh, I may have. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whisper and Where the Freaks Hang Out. I did actually listen to uh, to those singles. Cool. Now did that you... I'm looking at the cover, yes. Did you uh, have any thoughts? Oh, well, you know, I thought they were good. I thought, uh, actually, Where the Freaks Hang Out, it was probably, to be honest, my favorite of the two. And it's almost kind of sad because I kind of liked the direction that they were kind of leaning towards. But I think they were just kind of a couple, you know, musical ideas that they just kind of wanted to flesh out a little bit. But it didn't feel like they were in the like fit in the album. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you know, I'd recommend them. They're pretty good. Yeah, Whisper. Uh, I thought it sounded pretty good. I gotta have more cowbell. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I heard some cowbell, but it was pretty underplayed. Yeah, I met you know I I gotta have more cowbell. Um, otherwise, it's a good darker. It's got a Good dark quality, uh, eerie synths uh, in the instrumental course. So, yeah, it's, it was pretty good. Um, where the Freaks Hang Out is um, got a head bopping, jingle jangle quality. Maybe a bit long, but mostly very good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought they were, you know, check them out. If, if you like the Rosebuds, there's no reason you won't like those songs. They're, yeah. They're, they're great. They're yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of where we left with the Rosebuds. Uh, the, you know, the thing is, and I couldn't... I couldn't really find reference to it. Did they intend for Santa Silence to be the last album or did it just wind up being the last album? And I don't know. And I'm, Ooh. I'm genuinely really curious because you could, I think you can make the argument both ways uh, because I have, I have honestly felt that in a lot of, uh, of these albums, especially a lot of planes fly low. There's a lot of melancholy, melancholy anyways. It's so tough because you don't want to say, you don't want to say it's a sad album. You don't want to say it's depressing, you know, um, because you make, because then it kind of sounds like it's a downer. Uh, you can have genuinely so- sad songs that are boppers. Um, and it actually happens quite a bit. And I feel like that was probably their strength, their strength uh, in writing the lyrics and not making them a drag most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do track recommendations? Yeah, let's, let's do. Why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Unwind, the title track to the Unwind EP. Nice. Very sweet and sensual. I love the chorus. Um, some real sentimental emotions that uh, came through in there. So, uh, I, yeah, I just uh, I thought it was, it was it may be an overlooked track because it's in an EP, and if you're going through the albums, you might miss it. But uh, that's me telling you, don't miss it. It's a good track. 
Um, I you might you might get mad at me for this one, Steve, no, but I'm uh, Night of the Furies, not Night of the Fu- Furies. And you never will believe it. Very dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the thick reverb. Again, they have thick reverb a lot, but you know this is, this is where it's like uh, almost like where it's it's very it's very solid and very uh, it's, it's just it's just integral to the sound of the song. And this the guitars almost sound like. They're being played from a distance, mm-hmm. like that. So it, it, it almost feels like when you're, I put it on my work playlist. I have a work after hours um, like playlist that I cling to, and it just really fills the room. It's a nice big room, and it just it just really fills. These the sound works so well uh, in with the acoustics of that room. So check that out. And um, the song that I may not even actually be able to pronounce properly, Essekam Viduri, or Vidurai. song almost has an 80s edge to it, but not obviously. Like, you know, like, usually when you think of 80s throwbacks, you think of, like, thick synthesizers and stuff like that, where it's yes. not like that. Or hair metal. It's, or, 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 God, <laughs> helpless hair metal. Um, just, uh, it's just something about the melody. It, the melody sounds kind of like a melody that would be put into an 80s song without it sounding like an 80s song aesthetically. I don't know like how I came to that conclusion, it just felt that way. Sure. Uh, very cool, very dramatic piece. Uh, I, I like it. I really like it. Cool. Go for it, Steve. Off Birds Make Good Neighbors, Boxcar. Um, yeah. Uh, we can find an old boxcar in the woods to make our home. There's, there's a childlike uh, atmosphere to it. There's a, there's a, uh, the uh, setting they have on the, on the synth uh, is, is very childlike. But it's balanced up against this, this very adult, uh, frantic guitar playing. And uh, that's, that's why is it, is it about two children who are going to play grown-up, who are escaping from their home life to make a home for themselves, or perhaps it's two adults who wish that they could run home. You know, and be like children. You know, um, I really like Boxcar. I, th- I think it's it's a phenomenal song. I'm not crazy. I'm just a little boy. Yeah, great song. Night of the Furies. I think I'll do. Um, I think I'll do my punishment for fighting. It's a great lead into the album. Uh, you, and like I said, when I first got the album, that that's because Get Up Get Out doesn't have Howard doing any vocals. Um, and this was my introduction to his vocal style and how he sees like I'm gonna sing melody, I'm gonna harmonize with myself, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna experiment, I'm gonna do it all. And uh, my punishment for fighting is living without you. Um, you know, this is uh, it's almost the story of like someone who's thriving on con- conflicts and then what's he left with? No one to fight with anymore. Yeah. Pretty sad stuff. Some, some people they love the drama, but the drama drama comes with a price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then off of um, Loud Planes Fly Low, Limitless Arms. Again, it's you know I find that the songs I am attracted to the most are honest to god the ones with like some really heavy hitting emotional lyrics. Not necessarily like all of them, but uh, Limitless Arms. I feel I'm reaching out for the last time. It's 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 a pretty pretty simple, all things considered. I don't know. I felt I felt there was a lot more maturity to the sound at this point, and there's just something compelling about the fact that you know, they just got a divorce. And you know, honestly, um, I, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Um, I found it very emotional, very heavy hitting song. Um, as a quick aside, Doug, couples who make music and then break up. And are still in the band together. Uh, we can, you know, offhand think of Fleetwood Max Rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of the White Stripes catalog. Uh, ABBA, even, to a degree. Oh, yeah, they just are releasing a new album for oh, the yeah. first time in 40 years. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, um, sometimes it, it, it works, but I, I question how much of an emotional toll that must take. To keep me making music, especially music with heavy emotional sentiment, after you've gone through a divorce, and although you can say, "Ah, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't a really painful divorce," it's never going to be a straight and easy. Well, I guess we're divorced. At the end, you know. Uh, yeah, there's, it's going to be hard no matter what. There's definitely ones that are harder than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough. It's tough to say. You know, like uh, I there's definitely some people who that they would they would just need to sever it entirely and not mm-hmm. have any any tie to that person anymore. To to have a a professional relationship. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it could be done personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is you you have come to a point where you can no longer be committed to your partner, but how committed are you to your audience? You know, these are people who like love you and support you actively all the, you know, and follow you. They go to they go to your shows. They buy your stuff. Mm-hmm. You meet them and they, you know, they. Uh, I don't want to say deify you, but you know, venerate you. I don't. I don't know. They. These are your fans. These are these are your. This is your audience. I I'm just absolutely fascinated by this idea of creating albums and music, especially with you know lyrical content about relationships with someone that you've divorced and uh, and how that works and whether or not. I mean, it certainly had a toll on ABBA, even though they put out honestly some of their best music. Well, a toll on Fleetwood Mac as well. Yeah. Um, they they their studio sessions are not, were notorious for like being heavy in conflict yeah um it was it, the, the, the price was really great music uh, or no that was the price for really great music yeah yeah so but but, but uh you know it's, it's the, then there's long gaps where they just didn't see each other or tour at all mm-hmm. or you know it's not like it was a cakewalk so so then i guess then the question i ultimately kind of just ask in general is it a commitment to the audience or is it because you've been doing it for x number of years and maybe you don't know how to do anything else, or maybe, or more accurately, you don't think you can do anything else. Mm-hmm. You know that you know. I I want I wonder about that. And you, dear listener at home, give me your thoughts about about this, because I mean, like, on from my perspective, if I was in a band with my now ex wife, I think mm-hmm. I think it would be too painful. Can you channel that into making music? Some can. But like I said, it's the it's it has a toll. Some people can really compartmentalize as well, um, and some people cannot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's everyone's different, and there's so many factors to every relationship. Who the heck knows? Uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think yeah. I could do it. Uh, I think I think they would have just like I'd be like, well, I still want to make music. I just think I'll have to go solo or have a different band and. And that's that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, just have to... And you know, not every band's meant to last forever. And as it was with the Rosebuds, uh, the they only had a couple albums after. Yeah. So, well, I guess, and a Christmas album. I guess they're like, they're like well, we, we can't skip out. We can't skip out on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they... Who knows if they had stayed together, if the Rosebuds would have lasted longer, or, uh, or if they just felt like they just needed to finish, have some sense of finality to it, and then move on. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's tough, but it's fascinating because it happens a lot. Oh, not a lot, a lot, but it happens enough to talk about. Yeah. Anyways, next week we were talking about uh, about uh, doing the incredible. Yeah. Uh, actually, actually focusing on a band that we talk about all the time and have spoken about for years but never got around to doing. Stars. Stars. Canadian act stars. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it because uh, yeah, because yeah, I. I was a devoted follower for some time, mm-hmm. and just like with some things, you they you're the you just don't keep up like almost like a friendship. Sure, you know it's like it's like oh man, I really haven't reached out to that guy in a long time. I haven't really listened to Stars in a long time, so uh, you know let's uh, let's reignite that friendship. Yeah, exactly, Mundo. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about you, dear listener? Again, I posed a question about your thoughts when it comes to relationships. Uh, relationships breaking up when in a band but you know if you have any thoughts about rosebuds about papadozio about about the the sound of my cats in the background yeah do do you (laughs) what do you think about doug's cats uh or what about stars you know what let us know there's a few ways you can do it you know we have a website music a to z podcast.com jump in there go to the facebook page music a to z podcast join the join the conversation guys i just posted a video uh it was a collaboration between legal eagle and rick beato about Taylor Swift going after her label for screwing her over and re-recording her first few albums. Uh, re- remarkable, remarkable backstory. If you're curious about the music industry or you're a huge Taylor Swift fan, I don't know, uh, check it out. 
and and talk about it. Tell me what you think about this video. You know, is uh, someone full of crap or you know what? Anyways, uh, but you know what? Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And again, we live on feedback. So if you have any 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 opinions, let me know. Duck. Oh hey, check out moving underscore pictures. That's pictures with a K on uh, YouTube. Yeah. So we have a great a show called Ali Hasn't. Beast Wars Wednesday, back to Icon. Uh, I love me some back to Icon. Steve loves, uh, I'm basically reviewing every episode of Transformers, the original G1 series. It's a bit of a slow slow burn right now, but uh, I, I do like making it, so. I'm going to definitely, I have all season one written. It's just a matter of getting it um, recorded. So, if you love Transformers, uh, if you love uh, nostalgic pop culture, please check me out. I'm Decepticon Doug. On moving pictures, moving underscore pictures on YouTube. Cool. Anything else, Captain? Rosa says meow. Oh, She's hi, Rosa. Like, oh, yeah, there we go. Dumped on my lap. Made very needy cat. Get, yeah, everyone, get yourselves a very needy cat. There you go. Hashtag free Britney. <laughs> Anyways, I'll close this out by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Steve Ferguson. You should check out our other work at stephengcferguson.ca and moving underscore pictures on YouTube. 